Hello, friends, and welcome to the Sermons Podcast of Christ Church at Grove Farm. One of our goals here at CCGF is to help you take your next step toward Jesus and the person God designed you to be. We hope our sermons help you to take that next step. If you would like more information about the community here at Christ Church at Grove Farm, or if you would like to contact us, you can do all of that and more on our website, which is ccgf.org. And to get an even further taste of who we are, you can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. Now, here is this week's message, grace and peace to you. Good morning. Hey, would you pray with me, please? Father God, I just thank you so much for this church. I thank you so much for this opportunity. God, I do thank you for Christmas and what it means and the gift that you have given us. So Father God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would come upon this place. I pray that you would open up our hearts and our minds to your word, and I pray that you would speak to us here this morning. And it's in your name that we all pray and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Well, it was only a few days before Halloween when my wife came to me and said, Hey, Doug, do you think you would mind putting up the Christmas tree? It wasn't even November yet. And my wife asked me to put up the Christmas tree. Now, I had reminded her of our tradition, a tradition that had been founded years ago, a tradition founded upon logic that was the week of Thanksgiving, I take the week off because it's right after our high school ministries fall retreat. And that week, I decorate the entire house for Christmas. So I reminded her of that tradition. But then an argument began to ensue in the Rary household. She told me that because of how late Thanksgiving fell, that Christmas would be coming early this year, and we would have less time to celebrate. Christmas would be coming early. So I responded, Christmas always falls on December 25th. (laughs) So her anger grew as she said, no, 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 no. Thanksgiving falls late this year. And I responded, Thanksgiving is always the fourth Thursday in November. Now, I knew what she meant, but I didn't want to put up the tree, you see. So she was almost yelling when she said to me, don't you understand? Thanksgiving is late this year. And so I said very logically, okay, but that would mean that you would want the tree up a week before Thanksgiving. And this is now four weeks before Thanksgiving. So why do you want me to put the tree up now? I'll put it up then. So she stormed out of the room. Now, you'd think that I would have won that argument. But ladies, you know that I really lost that day. Because all I heard for a month was Christmas talk and Christmas music and reasons for the tree to go up. In fact, my wife would sneak Christmas movies on right before I would get home from work. Now, I tell you this story for a reason. See, for years now, I have been wanting to delay Christmas. 
It's true, you could call me Scrooge, you could call me the Grinch, but as my wife executed Christmas warfare on me this past month, I began to examine myself. You see, here's my problem at Christmas time. I am frustrated with Christmas. I'm frustrated with Christmas. I'm frustrated because of all the insanity and all of the busyness of Christmas. I'm frustrated with the rushed family gatherings, the gift buying, the insane traffic in Cranberry and in Robinson and in McKnight Road. I'm frustrated with a December packed full of school concerts and Christmas pageants. And I'm frustrated with people's bad attitudes because they too are equally stressed and frustrated at Christmas time. You see, I think I'm frustrated because Christmas isn't what it used to be for me. But then I realized, most importantly, I think I'm frustrated because Christmas no longer means what it ought to mean to me. Does that make sense? You know, we're starting a new series here this morning that's gonna take us through the events of Jesus' birth all the way to Christmas Day. And here is what I am committing to this Christmas season. I want to dig deep into Scripture. And I want to read these events of the birth of Jesus like I have never read them before. I want to study them. I want to go behind the scenes, and I want to allow God to speak to me through his word. I want to see what God has in store for me this Christmas. So that's what I've been doing these last two weeks. And the first person that I came across as I've been doing this hit me like a ton of bricks, and that was my man Joseph. I began to read about him in Matthew chapter 1 beginning in verse 18. This is how Jesus, the Messiah, was born. His mother, Mary, was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. Joseph was a righteous man. Joseph was a good man. He wanted to do the right thing. See, he felt that he couldn't marry her. By marrying Mary, it would be like an admission to guilt to something that he didn't do, to, to being together intimately before marriage. But because he was a good man, he didn't want to publicly disgrace her. He didn't want to publicly humiliate her either. He also didn't want to do worse. You see, in this culture, in this time, Joseph would have been within his rights to accuse Mary. And she could have been stoned or she could have been excommunicated, kicked out of her community. But Joseph was a good man. So instead, he decided to break off the engagement quietly. And so he was thinking about these things. And then Matthew continues. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. 
Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. See, God's message through the angel begins with, do not be afraid. Why? Because Joseph was afraid. Joseph was afraid. Can you imagine Joseph dreaming about his future? A good wife, a good job, a bunch of kids, and then suddenly your fiance drops a bomb on you. I'm pregnant. Does that bring some fear into your life? That brings some anger too. That brings some fear about your future. That brings some fear about some sudden decisions that you suddenly have to make. That brings some fear about your reputation. Matthew continues, when Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife. But he did not have sexual relations with her until her son was born. And Joseph named him Jesus. See, Joseph chose to trust God, but that doesn't mean that his fear went away. You see, every time an angel shows up to reveal God's plan in the Bible, they always open with, do not be afraid. They always open with, do not be afraid. You see, God's ways are not the world's ways. And living a life for him and stepping out of our comfort zone going against the cultural norms can cause us to be afraid. So when we choose to follow God, it doesn't mean that our fears are going to go away. What it means is it's an exercise in trusting God. Am I going to do this anyway, just like Joseph did? Am I going to go through with this anyway? Next, I came upon Mary, a pregnant virgin, somewhere between the ages of 12 and 15 years old. Can you imagine the conversations that Mary would have had? Can you imagine her talking to her mother? Can you imagine her talking to her father about this? Can you imagine the looks and the whispers of the people in her town? We know what happens in our culture today. Can you imagine 2,000 years ago? Now add this to the mix. Joseph had to take Mary on a road trip. We read about it in Luke chapter 2. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee, He took with him Mary, his fiancée, who was obviously pregnant by this time. Mary and Joseph had to travel to Bethlehem because there was this big census taking place. All the men had to take their immediate family back to their larger family's hometown where their ancestors are from. You know, for Joseph's case, it it was Bethlehem. 
So here we have the very first documented case of traveling to the in-laws for the holidays. The very first documented case of traveling to the in-laws for the holidays. Now, not only did I research what the scholars say, but I also Google mapped it, okay? It's 104 miles over treacherous terrain. At least 26 miles a day, taking about that pace, it'd be about four days to make this journey. And that seems pretty reasonable to me. But did you notice the term obviously pregnant? Did you notice that term, obviously pregnant? Mary, obviously pregnant and riding a donkey for 100 miles doesn't seem like a pleasure trip to the in-laws to me. In fact, pleasure trip to the in-laws is kind of like an oxymoron, isn't it, right? You know, but pleasure trip to the in-laws while you're obviously pregnant, riding a donkey over 100 miles, right? What it sounds like to me is it sounds, it sounds painful to me. Luke continues, and while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her first child, a son, and she wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the village inn. Do you know what a manger is? It's a feeding trough for barn animals. You know, when my wife gave birth to twins, we got in a very comfortable car, not a donkey. We, we drove 15 miles and she gave birth in a very comfortable hospital with a team of experts and painkillers and ice chips. Not a smelly cave full of barn animals. And my wife, well, she will tell you that, that she was still very uncomfortable that she was very worried, that she was in pain. So when you go behind the scenes, do you really see a calm, beautiful, angelic Mary? Or do you see what I see? A sweaty, tired, uncomfortable, worried, pain-filled Mary who gives birth in a cave filled with straw and barn animals. You know, but just like Joseph, Mary, it's unbelievable this teenage girl was obedient to God and followed God's plan. But that doesn't mean that she didn't have some worries. That doesn't mean that she wasn't in pain. Maybe you were like Joseph and Mary this Christmas. Maybe there's some real fears. Maybe there's some real worries. Maybe there's some real pain that you're dealing with. Maybe you're worried about putting on the perfect Christmas for those that you love. Maybe you're worried about finding the perfect gift for someone. Maybe you're just worried about being able to afford buy, to buy gifts at all this Christmas. Maybe you're afraid about your finances. Maybe you're afraid about your job. Maybe you're afraid about your future. Maybe you're worried about your visit with the in-laws this Christmas. Maybe you fear what that Christmas dinner will become. Maybe it'll become like a battlefield over politics or family dynamics or, or even what you believe. Or maybe you have the opposite worries. Maybe you're afraid of being alone this Christmas. 
Maybe you or someone around you are fighting a serious illness and you're, you fear the future. I know some of you are in pain this Christmas. Maybe this is your first Christmas without someone that you love very dearly. Maybe you've been hurt by someone and you're struggling with what to do with that pain. Or maybe you're like me and Christmas digs up some painful memories of the past. You know, when reading about Mary, we catch a glimpse of someone we rarely talk about during the events of Christmas. And that's the innkeeper. I love when we get to see the innkeeper at Christmas pageants. You know, he's always so vilified, right? He's so cold-hearted. How could he not make room for a pregnant woman? Innkeeper. But really, we don't have too many words in Scripture about the innkeeper. All it says in Luke 2 is, because there was no room for them in the village inn. You see, I don't see the innkeeper as being evil. He was just occupied. He was busy. You see, we, we, we know, all we know about the innkeeper is that he was so occupied, he was so busy that he didn't have space for Jesus. You know, because of the census, the whole town of Bethlehem was packed full, kind of like our month of December, packed full, full of activities and shopping and expectations of others and family gatherings and school Christmas concerts, and the list goes on and on and on. We are busy. You know, the innkeeper was occupied. He had no room for Jesus. Are you too occupied for Jesus right now? Maybe you're like me, and you're just too busy in general. You know, when we are too occupied, worship isn't a priority. Prayer happens on the run, and we don't read God's Word. It was then that I began to get fixated on King Herod. You know, even though King Herod is part of the Christmas story, <laughs> you never find him in the nativities that we put on our mantles or in front, of, in front of our houses in our front yards. Why? Well, because the dude was evil. <laughs> he, he was ruthless. His history was filled with lies and murder and tormenting the people under his rule. And during the events that surround the birth of Jesus, Herod had all of the male children two years old and younger murdered in and around Bethlehem. Why would he do such a disturbing thing? Because he believed that the Messiah was going to come and steal his throne and his crown. Matthew says this, Herod was furious when he realized that the wise men had outwitted him. He sent soldiers to kill all the boys in and around Bethlehem who were two years old and under, based on the wise men's report of the star's first appearance. You see, Herod wanted to remain king. Herod was the king of the Jews. Herod didn't want to give up his power to a new king. 
Herod didn't want to submit his life to another authority. Herod didn't want to lose his power. Do you know what I struggle with? I want to be king of my own life. That's what I want. I want to be king of my own life. I want to be in charge of my own life. I feel like I know what's best for me. There are certain desires and there's certain wants that I have, and I don't want to give up power to anyone else. Why? Because I am a selfish person. However, as I look back on my life and all the times that I have decided to be king of my life, I see mistake after mistake. I see all the wrong decisions that I've made, and I see all the people that I've hurt. Did you know that I have participated in every bad decision that I have ever made? I was there for every single one of them. I'm the one who talked myself out of exercise last night and talked myself into a giant plate of nachos for dinner. I'm the one who did that. I was there for all the bad behavior decisions. I was there for all the bad financial decisions. I was there for all the bad parenting decisions. In addition, you have been there for all of the bad decisions that you have made in your life too. In fact, I don't know how we did this, but you and I both, we are the masterminds behind all of our greatest regrets. Why? Because we want to be king of our own lives. Maybe it's time we find a new king. That's when I came upon the wise men. You know, the term for wise men in the original language of the Bible was magi. They were not kings. That's from the song, We Three Kings. In fact, we don't even know how many there were. We just know that there was more than one. We get hung up on the number three because of the three gifts given. But here's what we do know. The Magi were astrologers. They were interpreters of dreams and they were government officials. We first read about the Magi way back in the book of Daniel. They had the authority to elect the king of their kingdom when there was a discrepancy as to who the king should be. So the Magi were essentially king makers. And this is the cool part. These Magi at this first Christmas came to acknowledge Jesus as king. Matthew 2 says, Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. About that time, some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. The wise men were searching for their king. Do you need a new king in your life? Are you searching for something? as these wise men were, then we come to Jesus. This is what it says in Matthew when the wise men finally found Jesus. It says they entered the house and saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. 
They searched for him. They found him. And they worshiped him. I don't know where you are this Christmas season. Maybe you're like Herod and you want to remain king of your life. Maybe you're like the innkeeper and you've just been too occupied. Maybe you're like Joseph and Mary and you have fears. Maybe you're worried or maybe you're in pain. Or maybe you're like the wise men and you're searching for something because of the way you've been living and it's just not quite working out the way you thought it would. You know, we finally did get to decorating for Christmas. We finally got around to it. And the last decoration we put up was our Willow Creek nativity set that we got on our wedding day. And as we put up our Willow Creek nativity set, each figure had a new meaning for me all of a sudden. And so we're putting up each figure and then we got to the baby Jesus. And as I'm putting up the baby Jesus, I was reminded of another nativity. It was at a church a couple of hours from here, a church I used to work at in a small city. It's a giant nativity that goes outside. And every year I worked at this church, someone came and stole the baby Jesus every single year. Now, we tried all kinds of things to make sure that no one would steal the baby Jesus. We printed the church name at the bottom of baby Jesus. We put signs up, please don't steal baby Jesus. We put a camera system up. And then one year it got really ridiculous, especially because of how it looked. We actually chained down baby Jesus, okay, into the manger. But nothing ever worked. Every single year, the baby Jesus got stolen. You know what's really funny, though, is every January, every year, he would always show up. He would show up in some farmer's cornfield somewhere or, or up on someone's roof somewhere. And so we'd have to put that baby Jesus down in the basement with all the other baby Jesuses that we bought to replace the original ones. He'd always show up. So it got me thinking as I put this little Willow Creek baby Jesus out in the nativity, it got me thinking about that nativity in that city church. When he went missing, how come we never went looking for him? How come we never went looking for Jesus? This is what Jesus says about himself in Matthew 7. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be opened to you. Everyone who seeks finds. And everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. Jesus wants to be found by you this Christmas. I want to tell you something. I want to change my focus this Christmas. I want to be less occupied and I want to begin to set aside some time, some priority time for Jesus. I want to be less occupied and I want to set aside some time to worship my King. 
I want to be less occupied, and I want to set aside some time in God's Word. I want to be less occupied, and I want to set aside some time in prayer. I want to be less occupied, and I want to set aside some time in quiet. And I just want to spend time with the once child given, the one called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Let us set aside time to search for Jesus in our otherwise occupied Decembers. He's waiting for us. Let us find him and bow down and worship him this Christmas. Pray with me. Father God, I thank you for what this season means. I thank you for the gift that was given to us. Emmanuel, God with us. That you loved us so much that you looked down and you gave up your heavenly throne, that you humbled yourself to be born and to be laid in a feeding trough for barn animals. To be born a baby, to grow up and experience everything that we experience, to walk amongst us, to teach us a better way to live, to march yourself straight to a cross, to die a sinner's death, although you did not sin, so that we don't have to. God, would you help us to make time for you this Christmas? Maybe that means not putting up some lights. Maybe that means not finding the perfect gift. Maybe that means not putting on the perfect Christmas. But I know that we would be all the better for it. Let us refocus ourselves to what this season is truly about and spend time with you because it is because of that birth that we get access to you. How amazing that is. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We love you. Amen.